I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Vegas for guest guessings with myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you as we're going to be keeping this one to two parts today as we are currently in a little bit of holdover mode with these NBA draft decisions. They are starting to come down little by little, but that deadline is less than now seven days away, so the wheels are really going to be turning in the next few days, and Leading up to that, we're going to be taking a look at some of these teams that have big draft decisions, some of the players that are most on the fence as of right now, and we've got a great man to talk about that in segment number two. As Cooper Watson, he does great work over at Boston Brackets, and he also does a great job with all of his mock draft work. He is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about some of the guys that have some of the most impactful decisions left to be made in terms of the NBA draft, how that is going to impact teams positively slash negatively, Guys that might possibly be coming back to school if they decide that they are not going to be staying in the NBA draft. And some of the guys that might be staying in the transfer portal as well. Some logistics with that regard because there is actually a portal closing date a few weeks ago as well. So if there might be a guy or two that decides, hey, I want to go back to school and they want to transfer, what is that going to mean for them? So we're going to be talking about that in segment number two with Cooper. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnn underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way, that is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in a lot of Twitter questions today, and keep in mind, we're going to be starting up conference previews soon. The Atlantic Sun, I think we're going to be able to do by the end of the week, so we've got that on tap, and we did see a few guys decide to pull out of the NBA draft on Wednesday. Let's hit upon those decisions first, as Omari Moore, he decided that he is going to be going back to San Jose State. This is something that you figured would be the case, but this is massive for San Jose State and everything that they're looking to build. They are not a team that's been necessarily rambunctious in the portal this offseason, but last few, they certainly have made quite a few moves, and for Amari Moore, he's really been the heart and soul of this team 
last two seasons. This last year, 17.5 points, 4.7 boards, 4.8 assists per contest. Did see his three-point shooting percentage from two years ago during the 2021-22 season. Fall from right around 42.9% down to about 34%, but still, he had himself one heck of a year. He was the Mount West Player of the Year, so you know that he is going to be a big impact guy in Kansas. Right now, looking like they're going to be one of the top teams in all of college basketball. I don't know if I'm going to quite be able to put them over a team like Duke, but getting back Kevin McCullough, absolutely massive for this team as they do lose quite a few pieces from last year. Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick being out of the fold, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this move in segment number two with our good friend Cooper Watson, but for Kevin McCullough, just a little bit of a Swiss Army knife guy. You could tell that he was dealing with some ailments last season, but still, 10.5 points, 7 boards, 2 steals, 2.5 assists, 3-point shooting. Needs to improve a little bit. He only shot about 29.5% from 3-point range, but as we know, they bring in a guy by the name of Hunter Dickinson. That's going to be able to help them out. Nicholas Timberlake, I do feel like has been a little bit of an overrated move. He was a good shooter over at Towson, but... I do think that that step-up in competition is going to be a little bit tough for him, but if absolutely nothing else, he is going to be able to take the load off of someone like a uh, Kevin McCuller. He's going to be able to take a few more of those threes. I think that he's a little bit more of a reserve coming off the bench and bury some threes sort of guy, but I really do like the way that this Kansas roster is shaking up with the way that they have been able to maneuver things in the offseason, the freshmen that they have coming in as well. I do think that this team is certainly going to be a force. In terms of draft decisions, those were really the main two we shall see over the next few days if we're able to get a few more, but we did notice a few transfer portal moves that happened on Wednesday as well, and really the team that was able to step up the most over the last 24 hours, that'd be Utah Valley. They did pick up a pair of guys, Kamani Doty, he was playing over at New Orleans last year, and Caleb Stone Carewell, who was playing at Austin P last season for Stone Carewell. I do think that he's going to be able to come in and deliver a little bit of production, but keep in mind, he only averaged right around 7.5 points per contest last year. He was quite banged up. It's been a career about 33% three-point shooter, so I don't think that there's necessarily a whole heck of a lot that's rambunctious here. He does have a nice six foot seven frame, so I do think that that is going to be of help. And then when it comes to Doty coming in from New Orleans, once again, that's a very low level of competition, and not like he was lighting the world ablaze over at New Orleans this last year. Was able to put up seven points per contest. Has been a good three-point shooter. A career 38.6% three-point shooter. Last year shot 37.5% from three. Two years ago, it was on a relatively limited amount of threes. He shot 45.5% from three, but he wasn't getting a ton of minutes for a New Orleans team that was one of the worst teams in all of college basketball. So Utah Valley, certainly in rebuild mode. I do think that these are going to be a pair of pieces that they're going to be more reserve pieces. I do think that Doty has the possibility of being a really nice off the bench, just come in, pop some threes sort of guy. But at the same time, I do think that that is going to be a little bit difficult for them. We did see Anthony Thomas. He was over at Kansas State. He has decided that he is going to be going to Northwestern State. For Northwestern State, no question about it, they have been dealing with quite a few moving pieces because they do lose Corey Gibson 
in the offseason. But being able to bring in someone like an Anthony Thomas, I do think it's going to be able to help them out a little bit. As Thomas, he was unable to get out there on the floor last season, actually began his career at UT Martin. And why was that UT Martin? He was a okay player. He was able to give the team nine points per contest. At six foot seven, he's got good versatility. I think out of the Southland, he's going to be able to do a solid job. So I think that this is a very nice pickup for them. Just needs to be able to get out there on the floor as he has missed the last few seasons with that regard. But so I do think that he's going to be able to come in and he's going to be able to lend some nice production. And this is nice to see as well. Lemoyne, they are the newest of the D1 schools. They literally are reclassified about like two or so weeks ago. They're going to be bringing in Kaim Cleary. He was playing at Ball State this last season for Cleary. Not a guy that was necessarily able to go out there and give you a whole heck of a lot of production. Was able to average two points per contest, but still being able to get in there. Six foot six guy and able to pop a few threes. That is going to be big. And I know that he was playing at Florida Southwestern a few seasons ago. He was a relatively solidly recruited junior college guy. So I do think that he can be able to have some production while he was at the junior college level. He was averaging more like 11.5 points per game. He was shooting 37% from three-point range. And I believe that he was playing on some of the like, under-18, under-20 teams for Great Britain as well. So he's got a little bit of foreign experience for a school like LeMoyne trying to be able to build themselves up. I do think that that is going to be big for them. And this is big as well. New Mexico State, as we know, the... Pit of misery was very much New Mexico State this last season because they were not unable to complete their season due to hazing and everything like that. So they're looking to turn over a new leaf. It's a completely new regime, and they're having to pretty much build brick by brick as they're bringing in a lot of transfers. And this is a good place to start. Bringing in something like a Femi Otakala I think is nice. For Otakala last year, he was a starter over at Seton Hall. Didn't necessarily put up the world's biggest numbers, but he was still able to give the team right around 7.5 points per contest. Someone that has the ability to be able to dole out the ball. Two years ago at Pittsburgh, he was their main leader in assists with 3.5 assists per contest. This past year at Seton Hall, he was able to do a good job with his active hands, being able to get a little bit over a steal and a half per game. He's a multifaceted player, and I think that this is just big for our New Mexico State team that I am, for lack of a better term, they are looking to turn the page. Now, what sort of style are we going to see from New Mexico State? Who knows? Because it is a hodgepodge of things. They lose darn near everyone from a season ago. They have to replace that entire coaching staff. So this is going to be piecemeal together. Oh, by the way, New Mexico State, they are now in a new conference as well. So they're having to deal with all that. But at the same time with New Mexico State, They've done a good job of being able to bring in some pieces. They brought in someone like a Clarence Jackson, who was over at Jacksonville State this last season, six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player. Gasso Azugi began his career at Kansas State. He's someone that's able to give you a little bit of rebounding. Jalen Jackson Posey is able to pop some threes. Brandon Suggs is a bucket getter. So you know what? New Mexico State, they've been able to do a relatively solid job of taking a really, really bad situation and being able to find a little bit of talent along the way. NC Central, it's very clear that they are investing in guys from High Point. Already this offseason, they were able to bring in Emmanuel as a booner. He was one of the top rebounders for High Point last few seasons. Now they're bringing in Brock and Roe Williams. As for Brock Williams this last year, not necessarily a guy that lit it up. He was a little bit of an understudy in the backcourt. Was able to give the team four points per contest. Did shoot 36.5%. From three-point range as a little bit of an undersized off-the-ball guard. 
I do think that he could be able to come in and have some good production over at NC Central, though. For NC Central, they do lose quite a few guys to the portal themselves, but LaBelle Moton, he always does a good job of being able to find the junior college ranks, being able to find some good production there. So I do think that NC Central has done a good job of being able to retool this roster. They also have Perry Smith coming in from Vermont. That should be able to help them out down low. And then Stefan Tordovic, he was playing this last season over at SMU. He has decided that he is going to be going to the Dons, and he is going to be playing for San Francisco. For San Francisco this last year, very much a topsy-turvy team that they were really relying upon their backcourt with Torvik. He's a six foot eight guy that's able to do a solid job of being a pop threes. As a freshman at SMU, shot 43.5% from three this last year, more around 31.5% from three. Was able to give the team 5.5 points per game, but he was playing for an SMU team that, outside of really like their starting five, Torvik, he was like the only guy that was giving the team any sort of minutes off the bench whatsoever. It was a really weird blend. It just did not work at all. And I think that a new lease on life in general is big, especially with Zane Meeks now in the fold for San Francisco. Being able to bring in Tordovic, I think that he has a good understudy for them. They bring in Jonathan Mogbo. He's going to be able to help out the defense of this team at 6'8", 6'5", Malik Thomas coming over from USC, a former top runner guy. They've done a good job of being able to bring in some talent. So that's what we all saw in college basketball on Wednesday, no doubt about it. We've got a lot of big decisions that are going to be happening in the NBA draft, and we're going to be talking about a lot of those next with our good friend Cooper Watson. He does a great job over at Boston Brackets. That's fan side. It's College Basketball, College Basketball Coverage Network. So coming up next, we're going to be chatting with him about some of the big moves, who are the teams that have the most to gain to lose, and so much more right here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Eves Peterson, now a part of Houston Family Podcast. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. We're back here in Las Vegas for Jessica with myself, Greg Heaps Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as Cooper Watson. He's one of the main men over at Bustin' Brackets covering the great game of college basketball. Bustin' Brackets is a part of fan-sided college basketball coverage, and for Cooper, he's doing a great job holding it down in the northeast part of the country. He's doing a nice job taking a look at so many schools over there in the east and northeast part of the country, but on top of that, he does a great job covering the entire landscape of basketball, and I know he does a great job prognosticating the NBA draft as well, and to be able to follow him on Twitter, that is at Cooper T. Watson. So his first and last name with the letter T in the middle, and Cooper, great to have you aboard. Thank you. It's great to be back, Greg. And it is great to have you aboard, and it is great that the hot stove is very hot in the college basketball landscape right now, because in less than a week, we are going to know the outlook of these decisions in terms of the NBA draft, but I do think that we've got quite a few that we're going to need to discuss in the next few minutes, but I would like to talk about one that we did see come down on Wednesday, and that would be the fact that Kevin McCullough pulled out of the NBA draft and he's heading back to Kansas. I don't think that this was the world's biggest shocker in the world or anything like that, but I do think regardless, this is a really big deal for Kansas, and I can't quite get with putting them like number one in terms of my way too early top 25, but 
having Kevin McCullough back, bringing in Nicholas Zimberlake, bringing in Hunter Dickinson. This is, once again, going to be one of the most fearsome teams in all of college basketball. They're going to be great, again, as you've said. It's incredible with Kansas. You know, even you look around to Carolina this past year, Duke a couple years ago, Kentucky a couple years ago. Like, there's no program in the country at the moment that's as consistent as Kansas. Every year, Bill Self has them, it seems like, in the top five, but at least in, like, the top 15. And I think that they are going to be certainly preseason top five in the AP rankings and also in mine. And they should be. You know, they bring in Hunter Dickinson. Maybe the best transfer in the history of the portal in terms of like his qualifications being an All American. They bring Dewan Harris back, fantastic point guard, like a true point guard, not a big time scorer, although I think he'll improve there this year. But then Kevin McCullough, man, awesome defender. He was their third leading scorer last year on a team that was a number one seat. I mean, they return that guy. He's a really good rebounder, which I don't think he gets quite enough credit for. Everyone talks about his defense and stuff, but. Right at seven boards a game as basically a wing is strong. And so I think it's a it's a huge piece. He doesn't really give them shooting, which is the one critique maybe of Kansas. You know, they bring in Nick Timberlake, who's a shooter, but what can he give you defensively? But regardless of the shooting, I mean, Kevin McCullough obviously is a really big pickup. And I think just solidifies them. You know, I had them, I would say, top five or six. And then with him coming back, they're surefire top three for me, at least. Yep, absolutely. I have a little bit of a tough time putting them ahead of Duke, but man, with Kansas, there's not a whole like a lot of teams that I'm going to be putting them ahead of as well as I thought that getting back Kevin McCullough, big for them, because with Kansas, as you mentioned, there might be a few question marks with them on offense, but they're going to be one of the most rock-solid defensive teams in all of college basketball as well. As we do have Cooper Watson, who does amazing work over at Boston Brackets. He's joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And that was really, in my opinion, one of the biggest moves that we've seen over the last few days. But in terms of some of these teams that have a lot to gain slash lose with regards to NBA draft decisions, or a few that come to mind. Because in the ACC, I don't think that there's a ton of impactful ones other than Judah Mintz over at Syracuse. That's one that I've got a little bit of star around. But in terms of the ACC, I think that things are relatively signed, sealed, and delivered. But I do think in the Big 12, there's still a lot of question marks, despite the fact that Kevin McCullough returned to Kansas because I take a look at Baylor and Texas, a pair of teams out there in the great state of Texas, and I think that there are big question marks with regards to both of those programs, especially with Texas needing to get back a few of their guys as well. They already got back Terry's Hunter, but if they get back Dylan Mitchell, I think that that would be a big game changer for them. Certainly. Yeah, I just, real quick with the ACC, a couple more maybe just to keep an eye on. Still looking at P.J. Hall at Clemson. It's assumed he's going to come back. He hasn't confirmed. That's on the list of just guys to watch. Clemson, I think, is going to be really good. They've been number three in my way too early ACC rankings from the start, and they're still number three. I think they're going to be really good, but he's the key. Per 36, per 40, whatever metric you want to use to even out the minutes, was maybe the most efficient scorer in the ACC last year. And so bringing him back would be big. And then also Reese Beekman at Virginia, who is maybe the best defensive guard in the country, defensive player of the year in the ACC last year. I think he'll probably be back. But again, Virginia's losing Kihei Clark. They're losing Armand Franklin. Now they've got some talent coming in in the backcourt. I'm not really concerned. Certainly if Reese Beekman returns to Virginia, I'm not concerned at all about their backcourt. Maybe slightly concerned about the frontcourt a little bit. When you look at Texas, I mean, what a wild... Off season so far. I mean, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. Every decision that has come, like every piece of news that's come out of Texas, 
seems to be a really big deal. There haven't been a lot of under-the-radar decision, decisions. But, I mean, look, Tyrese Hunter, Max Aismans, that's as strong a backcourt as there is almost in the country. But they've got some big – they've got some needs on the wing especially, I think. They do have Caden Shedrick in the paint who I think, you know, had a weird year last year at Virginia. He played a lot two years ago and the start of last year and then just got kind of benched, but then played well in their tournament game, but then they lose that game. So kind of a weird situation there, but yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster ride for Texas. I do think it's too early to kind of make any broad sweeping assumptions about Rodney Terry. I've seen some of that. Look, he did a fantastic job in a really tough situation last year. I think it's going to take a couple of years before we can really judge the Rodney Terry era. It's not one month in to him being official. I agree with you. And I do think that with Texas as well, that tough loss that they took in the Elite Eight against Miami, I do think that there were some unfortunate plays that just did not go their way in that one as well. I thought that he did a great job just towards back half of the season being able to coach them up. So I really don't pin any of that on him as well. And I do think that the Big 12 once again, is going to be very, very fearsome. But I do also take a look at Baylor within that conference as well. And Adam Flagler, to me, is still a little bit of a question. I would expect him to probably be back the fold. But Baylor's a bunch that they lost LJ Cryer in the offseason. They do a relatively solid job being able to bring in some recruits. But I do think that Flagler, whether or not he does return, that's one of the more impactful moves that we're going to be seeing in the offseason because a loss like Flagler for a team like Baylor yeah, Baylor is still going to be a really solid team, but going into what I once again think is by far the toughest conference at all of college basketball in the Big 12 without Adam Flagler, I think would be difficult for them. It would be difficult. I'm not going to sit here and, and doubt Scott Drew, man, but the Big 12 is tough. What makes what Kansas has done so incredible over the last 10 years, especially because the Big 12, it's gotten a lot of attention the last year or two, which is great, but it's been arguably the best league for about a decade. Kansas has still managed to seemingly win that league every year, pretty much, with very few exceptions. I think only one exception, actually, in the regular season. But you have to, I mean, you have to win it. Nothing's going to get handed to you in the Big 12. And so Baylor, even just one player here or there, is a massive deal. And they get Jalen Bridges back for, you know, another season. He gives them some shooting, a wing scorer. I think he's going to be really good this year, probably 15, 16 points per game. Langston Love is a guy who's going to have to step up and be really a 13, 14 point per game scorer. But yeah, Baylor's still got some question marks. They're not a team that I'm looking at at the moment as be, you know, the last two or three years, we've kind of talked about Baylor, Kansas going into the season. That's not going to be the conversation in the Big 12 this year. It's going to be maybe Kansas, Houston with a newcomer up at the top. But I think Baylor's, look, they're going to be a tournament team regardless, but I think the rest of the offseason could shape whether they're like a top three or four team or like kind of in the six or seven range. And no doubt whether or not Kansas State, if they get back Keontae Johnson, look out below for Kansas State. If they don't get him back, that's going to be a big heart and soul piece that was a part of that Elite Eight run for a season ago. That's going to be on full Jerome Tang regardless, has done a solid job. But I think that that's another big one to watch for as Cooper Watson, who does great work over at Boston Brackets, is joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And I think this team has had a roller coaster of an offseason as well because you talked about that with Texas. How about the offseason that we have seen for Creighton? It looked like they were going to be able to get back pretty much their entire starting five, and you thought, hey, this is going to be a team that's going to be right on top of the Big East. They're going to be right in contention once again for the Final Four, but they are very reliant upon 
what happens with Trey Alexander or Ryan Kalkbrenner, in my opinion, because if there was one thing that really ailed Creighton last year, it's the fact that they had absolutely no depth whatsoever. As we know, Ryan Emmert is out of the full, but they did a very good job of being able to fill that void with Steve Ashworth. But Arthur Kaluba entered into the transfer portal. Still a possibility he could go back to Creighton, but you got to figure that even if he pulls out of the NBA draft, he is probably not going to be going back to Creighton. And for Alexander Kochbrenner, if both of these guys return, I think the Creighton is a rock-solid team. I think that they could be right back in contention towards the top of the Big East. If both of those guys leave, though, this is a team that is going to need to retool a roster that last year didn't have a lot of depth to start with. No doubt. I mean, look, I think Coloma's gone. He's, for all intents and purposes... He looked really good at the Combine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even before the Combine kind of the whispers were that he was unlikely to return to Creighton. Trey Alexander of Kalkbrenner and Alexander, I think, is more likely to leave. I think if you're talking one stays and one goes, I think probably Kalkbrenner would stay and Alexander would go. But again, we're going to have to wait and see here. I mean, Kalkbrenner is the one you would rather have back in college, although Alexander Creighton fans are really high on him and they should be because he's really talented and it's going to be a real steal if someone can get him in the second round, even early second round, I think Alexander's got big potential. But if they can get Kalkbrenner back, you mentioned they bring in Stephen Ashworth, a really good passer, excellent shooter. His offensive stats are off the chart last year, offensive rating, the advanced metrics and stuff at Utah State were off the charts. Probably not a one-for-one replacement of Ryan Nimhard, but a, a solid replacement. So I don't think there's going to be a massive drop-off at point guard. And look, if they can bring back Kalkbrenner, then you've got the one and the five. You got Shireman on the wing. It's a talented group. You've got Isaac Trout coming in, highly touted, and I think has big time potential, especially if Cockburner does leave. We're going to see a lot of Isaac Trout. So it's big time up in the air for Creighton. And like you said, I mean, at one point, it kind of looked like Creighton could be like a preseason top three, top five team. And then some pieces started moving around and it's up in the air. And I still think they're going to be a top 25 level team. But I think, you know, depending on Cockburn or Alexander, could swing anywhere up to the top 10 all the way to, I mean, if both of them leave, I don't see that being a top 25 team, to be honest. But I don't think that'll happen. I think Cockburner's back. And I do think that it is so interesting to look at the landscape of college basketball because there's a lot of big men that they've got a lot of very impactful NBA draft decisions. Like Zach Eady is right towards the top of the list for Purdue. Oscar Shibwe, and I am for Kentucky as well. Antonio Reeves, that's going to be a big time decision for them, but I think that it is so interesting to gauge these big men in college basketball because the big man in the NBA, unless if you're really able to pop threes and you have good versatility, there's not a lot of value with a lot of those guys. In college, some like Zach Eady, some like Oscar Sheboy, I mean, for Kentucky or Purdue, those are pieces of gold for them. Yeah, and I think I think NIL, this is where it can be a big positive yes. for college basketball, drawing those guys back. You know, the Oscar Sheboy, the Armando Baycott, you know, could they go second round, middle of the second round and probably play, you know, a few years in the league? Sure, they could do that. Could they stay longer? Of course. I mean, I'm not going to doubt that either of those guys is going to have an NBA career. But, you know, when you're not a surefire prospect who has all the intangibles the NBA is looking for, the athleticism, the foot speed, the versatility, switchability, stuff like that, when you can get a lot of money to come back and play basketball 
you know, Zach Eady, National Player of the Year, massive NIL is going to be waiting him. Armando Baycott, All-American in North Carolina, big-time NIL. Oscar Shibway, former National Player of the Year at Kentucky. This is stuff that can really swing these decisions where five, ten years ago, these guys are probably just leaving. They'll say, yeah, early second round, that's probably the, as good as I'm going to get. I'm going to leave now. Whereas now they're looking at it saying, man, why don't I mean, I could stick around another year, another two years, be the big man on campus and get paid. I mean, I think it's a big factor. I do as well, because I mean, in the NBA, a guy like Zach Eady, he's probably not going to be a first round pick. I mean, we've nope. seen it with Drew Timmy. The reason why he returned to school this past season is that I thought that he was probably going to be a second round pick if he decided to go into the draft last year. I mean, I would be thinking that he would, but he would probably be like a late second round pick. Why do that when you could go back to Gonzaga, be beloved by so many, you're able to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And it has really been a case where NIL, it has benefited many different players. I know that there's obviously been a little bit of a dark side to NIL as well, but the biggest winners have certainly been these big men like Oscar Shiba, who made a couple million dollars over at Kentucky last year, rather than being on like a two-way contract, being maybe like a second round pick, something like that. So I do agree with you there. And Cooper, I know you're doing an amazing job taking a look at the college basketball landscape, getting set for what is going to be a very interesting NBA draft as well. So let the good people at home know it's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Well, you can follow me at Cooper T. Watson on Twitter. And I'm going to have another way too early mock draft coming out the day after. My hope is the day after this year's draft to kind of drop that the next day, looking ahead to 2024. So I'm excited for that. It's a difficult thing to do. It's always a tough piece to go down and put together, but it's fun also. I like scouting these guys and kind of figuring out the next generation Going to look at some of the foreign guys that we don't see in the college game. So I enjoy it. That's going to be coming out the day after the draft. And I will assure you this. You're probably not going to have as much of a slam dunk number one as you had for this year with Victor Wambanyama. I know that you were right on that from the get-go. You were able to do a great job on that front. And, well, if you're looking to bet that right now, wherever your sports book is, you're going to be laying down like $100 to get back one on Victor Wimbanyama. And honestly, I think that that's a pretty good return on investment because, you know, unless if we see something very, very unfortunate happen, he is going to be the number one overall pick, just a generational guy and another generational talent. This is Cooper Watson doing an amazing job taking a look at the great game of college basketball. Big thanks to him. For joining me right here on Cusco Soups, I'm part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Cusco Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you're podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at one. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. And the other way, that's fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to on this podcast via that five-star review. Conference previews are coming soon. I anticipate the first one, which is going to be the Atlantic Sun, most likely being up either super late this week or early next week. We're going to start with the low-slash-mid-major programs since they have a few fewer moving parts and top of that, you have fewer draft decisions as well. So we're going to be starting there and then we're going to be working our way through all these conferences, getting you set for what will hopefully be the most successful and profitable college basketball season ever. So always appreciate you guys tuning in and I'll be back with you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Today. 